Hello there and welcome to the Tunes from Dudin podcast, an Irish traditional music interview series presented by myself, Charles Mono, and featuring guests from County Clare and beyond who come and visit us here in Dublin. On each episode of the show, we are guided by tunes picked and played by our guests, and we talk about various topics related to traditional music, such as sources of inspiration, repertoire, style, memories, and much, much more. If you'd like to support this podcast and the Tunes from Doolin project in general, you can head over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash tunesfromdoolin, where you can sign up and choose a support level that you can sustain. It doesn't have to be much. Even a cup of coffee per month really goes a long way. The link is in the show notes. Thank you so much for your support. Our guest for this episode is Susan Daly from Doolin. Susan used to play with Michael Russell when she was younger and has great stories about Doolin. Hope you enjoy the tunes in our chat and make sure to stick around till the end to know more about Susan and the music of Doolin. Enjoy. Thank you so much for this lovely jig, Susan, and welcome to the Tunes from Doolin podcast. Oh, thank you, Charles. Great to be here. So for those, uh, for the listeners who might not know you, um, your name is Susan Daly. You are from Doolin, born here and pretty much lived in the village all your life. Um, could you tell us a bit more about uh, who you are, your family background and... My family background, uh, I was born uh, in Doolin, obviously, and my family background is from uh, O'Connor's pub. My father was Gus and my mother Dahl. God rest them both now. Um, and I had the privilege of spending many, many years in, in pub life in Doolin, which was um, definitely the education of life. Uh, we had some great times, great music, great people. Um, worked very hard, but uh, I have to say... My memories are all good memories. No 
know we had tough times without a doubt but uh the good times have overrided the tough times when I think back of when I was a young girl in the village, you know. That, that's brilliant and that's actually a great introduction and I'll do the transition because obviously we talk about music on this podcast and uh, a lot of people might not know you as a musician um, and I had to uh, talk you into doing this podcast with me, so thanks for accepting because <laughs> okay. um, you have a lot of... Uh, music memories especially with Michael Russell and uh, his brothers and the other musicians in the village but you had a special relationship with Michael didn't you? I did yeah Michael taught me how to play from the age of 12 um, he, I kept asking him because you know I was looking at people every day playing in the pub and I was thinking god I'd love to do that I'd, and I had such a you know, love and a, a gras as we say for the music And Michael said, okay. And the first tune he taught me was A Wooden Heart. And I was like, oh, Michael, seriously, I want to learn a, a reel or a jig or a hornpipe. And he said, no, you have to start there now, Susan. So so I learned that tune with him. And uh, it was I never learned how to read music. It was solely by ear. And how old were you at the time? I was 12. 12 when I started playing with Michael. So by the time, you know, we'd play literally every day together and he taught me more and more tunes. But I was never really that confident when it came to playing music. I felt very comfortable with Michael, but when it came to actually playing in a session, I never felt right about doing that. I don't know, I just didn't. It it just didn't work for me at all. But but I had great times, Michael and I. Then at 15, he said he was going to Germany and he said, any chance you might come with me? So I said, sure, I might as well. <laughs> and I remember going to my father, God rest him, and I said, uh, Daddy, I'm going to Germany with Michael Russell, and I had to get a passport, so I had to go into the, the Garda station in Istanbul and <laughs> get that organised. And my father and mother, they didn't even hesitate. They said, absolutely, off you go. So Michael and myself and Jimmy Maloney, a local world champion dancer, headed for Germany. And yeah. you're only 15 at the time. 15 years of age. I mean, it was it was madness, really. But we were. Michael looked after us. He, I mean, he was like our father figure, really. Uh, and he introduced us to a whole new world. Like we were moving out of Doolan for one thing. We were in Dublin, which was a huge move. And then from there, we went on to Germany. And uh, sure, it was the same as being at home. Michael just went on as normal. There was no change in the way he was with people. He's uh, and he took everything as it came, you know. He didn't. He never got bothered, and he never got stressed. And because it didn't bother Michael, it didn't bother us. Yeah, That's you were just we, going going with his flow. Totally, we followed Michael's lead. You know, Ashley was great. I mean, he was marvelous, really. And he entertained that crowd like no one did. They, he could. He was singing. He was dancing, and he was playing. And then I, at that time, I started playing the pipes very badly but anyways I tried love the pipes well that I was going to uh, ask you about it what, what age were you when you you know picked and up I started the pipes? playing the pipes I was about 13 okay so very and soon after starting on the whistle yeah you kind of had, and where did the idea to play the pipe come from because I don't was there any pipers in Dublin per se no but Willie Clancy spent a lot of time at home with us Okay, so, so I used to love listening to, oh I had I, I absolutely love the pipes to this day I'm the same But uh, a very good friend of mine, Dick Grant, uh, Dick was a great friend of the family, and Dick played pipes. And uh, my father said, anyway, you might be able to get her a set of pipes. So he got me a set of uh, Leo, Leo Rousam pipes from the north of Ireland. Not the full set, I didn't have the regulators. So that was sure when I got them, I, 
I drove everyone in the street mad like they couldn't believe this you know when you're learning how to play and I was never that great at them but uh, I used to love I used to really enjoy learning new tunes and but Michael said sure bring the pipes with you so off I took with the pipes no bother to Germany oh no bother <laughs> oh my god when I think about it but um yeah we had we had um, Michael myself and Jimmy we got on great as a trio um and we got we none of us spoke German obviously uh, but Michael was able to communicate in his own way. Yeah. And they understood him. So it went very well. It worked. And uh, I'm curious. So that's it. The, the pipes. So we were talking uh, early 70s. Yeah. Uh, um, there wasn't, was there many women playing the pipes back then? I mean, there were not many pipers in general. Well, I wasn't familiar with any uh, any uh, women pipers. The first one that I became familiar with was Mara Negrada. Yes. Uh, who I think is an amazing musician She's and piper. Sure. Uh, but different people would come to the pub. They heard about this girl playing the pipes. And I mean, I got a name, a great name for playing pipes. But none of them hardly ever heard me. So I kept it like that. I thought, I don't want to, to ruin the... The, the image that I've developed, even though, I, I mean, I never played in front of hardly anybody, to yeah. be honest with you, you know. But Mara Negrada would have been the first that I, I, I mean, she was, she's an amazing piper, yeah. Yeah. And did you just um, taught yourself or did you get a few tips from the likes of... Uh, what, well, well Dick, Dick Grant Dick was Grant. very good. Dick taught me for a while. And then I used to go to Sean Reed in Ennis. Lovely. Who was a great friend of Willie Clancy's. And Sean used to make the reeds as well for me for the pipes. So every Friday I'd go to Ennis. My father would bring me tennis to Sean Reed. And sure, Sean was like, he was the second father figure in my life. Okay. I spent years going into Sean, yeah. He took great care of me as well. So I was very privileged, really, as a young girl to have Michael Russell, Sean Reed, Dick Grant, you know, taking care of me in my musical um, journey, if you'd say, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you, you you kept playing for a few years anyway, because I, I know you even entered some competitions with Michael, didn't you? Oh, Michael and I inst- entered the... Uh, uh, Michael said, we'll enter the monster. No, no, he said, we'll enter this competition. Uh, Michael on the flute and I in the tin whistle. So I always said, oh, sure, I'd agree to whatever Michael say. So off we took anyways, and we were in the jet club in Ennis. It was known as then Paddy Cons, uh, across from the old ground there. Uh, it's a furniture shop now. But uh, Madden's furniture, but um, so we played, and didn't we win it? We won the monster, which was really oh my god, like neither of us felt we deserved it. We were Seamus Cray and Jackie Daly were our competition on the day, and everyone <laughs> Some competition yeah, in fairness. yeah oh god sure I mean they were amazing so everyone you know more than assumed that they would win it but they gave it to Michael myself, which meant we were automatically entered to the All Ireland in Listowel, so um. That was some evening, I'll tell you, to be going around. We were the Clare champion, which was a huge, big deal, you know. I was, what age was I? I was 15, 15, 16. And um, so then that meant I was automatically uh, entered to the Skolaikshire in Listowel yes. for piping. So I got in and I was being taught for the week by Dan Dowd, uh, right. who was a lovely, lovely uh, piper, pipe maker as well from Dublin. And, and would you remember who else would have been like... Uh in your class or the young Davis pipers Belan, at the time? Davis Belan, Michael Coyne. We were all living in the same house in Listowel together for the week. 
must have been some crack. Honest to God, yeah. Imagine all that. That's nearly 50 years ago now, Charles. I'm nearly ashamed to say 50 years, but yeah. Yeah, we're all of the same vintage. Uh, Davy, myself, Michael, yeah. Yeah. But they went on to be amazing pipers, you know. Yeah, uh, we'll probably talk uh, a little later in the episode about why maybe you stopped music and all that. But um, just before we we started recording this, we were going through a couple of tunes and you were telling me how nervous you were about performing and you mentioned even something that happened in the All Ireland uh, competition. We were up, we were down in the stall in uh, where the competition was being held and uh, in front of us, so we were up on on the stage, Michael and I, and you could see, you looked out into the audience and all you could see was banners up dueling, you know, because everyone knew Michael. And I got so anxious that the, I started, we were playing a reel, the first tune was a reel, and the tin whistle fell out of my mouth. I ha- really nice. didn't know what I was doing. Oh, it was desperate. Oh, my. Well, obviously, we didn't win it. <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's great to have you here today and play uh, some tunes here. Um, I think maybe we'll go into, we'll play another tune, will we? Yeah. Great, Great. Charles, yeah. Nice. Boys of Blue Hill. It's a lovely tune. Yeah, well, Michael always played it. It was one of, I'd say it was nearly one of Michael's favourites, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't hear many people play it now, but it's, it, you know, people say it's a simple tune. But I don't think it is a simple tune. I think there's lovely, lovely variety in it. Yeah, and and even if it is simple, it's, there's nothing wrong with simple. Simple. Oh, simplicity is key, you see. Yeah. Um, and Michael had that approach to music. He made it seem and sound so simple. And yet to repeat his performance, he couldn't do it. Yeah. And he changed the tune so many times. You'd, I used to say to him, we'd play the first part, and then he'd teach me the turning of the tune. And I'd say, Michael, play that now again, show me again. And he'd never play the same, you know, he'd never play the same twice over. Yeah, he wouldn't actually be probably able because the tune in his head was constantly oh yeah the music well my grandmother was a concertina player my father's mother um her name was susan o'connor as well and uh 
then I used, anytime I'd learn a tune from Michael, she'd always say to me, hum the tune now, hum the tune, Susan. And if I didn't hum it right, she said, no, no, you, you don't know, go on, go ahead and learn that tune right. I had to have it in my head before I ever played it. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I Give me a tune that I've never heard to learn and that's like an impossible challenge. You need to have them in your head. You oh, need to yeah. Well, if it's in times. your head, it's in your heart and you'll bring it, you know, it'll sound so much better when you play it. Yeah. And um, obviously, Michael was such a big part of the music scene in Doolin back in the 60s, 70s and up until uh, he died in the in the 90s. But could you tell us maybe a little bit about the other musicians and characters that were there at the time? Well, you had the Russells, you had Michael and Packy and Gussie. Um, Michael was without, he was, we'll say, the one with the most, he was the easiest to, to approach as a musician. You know, he loved people. He enjoyed talking to people and he loved to entertain. So you you never felt you were imposing when you were dealing with Michael. Packy now was, was uh, Packy had his favourites that he would like to speak to, you know, and he'd share, share music with them and share tunes with them and spend time with them. And then Gussie was very reserved character. Lovely, lo- I mean, the three of them were, they were great, great people and great musicians. Then you had the Killory brothers, you had John Killory and Paddy and Teddy. Teddy was in England for a long time, but he eventually came back. But Paddy, Paddy played fiddle and John played flute and whistle. And they were always, you know, in the village as well. There's those, I, I'm sure you've seen the clips that Eugene Lamb has posted uh, of John oh, the and Kilorans. Paddy talking in, playing a few tunes in their house. And they there's, they tell that story of their brother being gone for something like Oh, Teddy was gone for years. years. Yeah. And just walks back. And, they, and Paddy <laughs> says to Teddy, I swear that's our Teddy. I mean, he hadn't seen him for maybe 10 or 15 years. Yeah. <laughs> and Teddy just walks past him in the, in the kitchen and goes into the room, yeah. Oh, yeah, cool out. They were very... I mean, uh, John Killory and Paddy were the coolest, calmest people you'd ever meet. They weren't put out by anything. Paddy had arrived down Friday night in the pub with, with his fiddle. He brought the fiddle. When he went to the bathroom, he brought the fiddle with him. The fiddle never left his side, yeah. And John, the, and John was a great raconteur, you know. He had great, great stories and he loved talking to people. Paddy now was more reserved. But an amazing musician, he played flute as well. And they had the most incredible tunes, like a lot of these tunes, like you, you don't hear them anymore. So uh. No, so a lot of those tunes died with them. Um, it's like you had, you've local, we were all taught how to sit dance when we were young. Uh, and different people had individual steps like Packy Maloney, Landon Timmy, Paddy Williams, like great sit dancers. They developed their own steps and those steps died with them. And the very same applied with the music in the area. A lot of tunes were lost when they died. Yeah, thank, thank God a few people did, did some of the work to preserve that material, such as Eugene Lamb that we've talked oh, about. Oh, Eugene with, Lamb with Dick Grant and Dick Grant. They made a huge effort to hold on to that. Uh, Christy Barry now, James Devitt, they have a, 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 an enormous amount of, of the old tunes and a great knowledge of, of the music. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're like you would, you would absolutely include Christy um, and James in the whole local scene, you know, of Doolan. And then so things like naturally evolved, you know, like other musicians uh, come to do, came to Doolan and... Uh, 
Could you tell us how, how things change maybe from when what very often people refer to as the old days and then it, when more people came, um, do you know what I mean, that period? Yeah, well, Ireland was going through hard times in the 60s and the 70s. You know, time, not of immigration. That affected the spirit of the village as well. Um, and all people were really, they looked forward to playing music. That was their entertainment, but it was the time they were having some fun. Because an awful lot of it was very depressing because people, all the youth were leaving the country. You know, immigration was, was very prominent then. Um, I left school in 1977 and I went to England to work in London. And every one of my class were in London. We used to meet in the Galtimore and Cricklewood every Friday and Saturday night. And that was, you know, that was a coming together of local people. But we weren't at home. We, were, we had to leave our, our village, you know. But so the, all those things had a big impact on the, the spirit of the, of the village. And, and so what happened then? How did it, how well, did things turn around? I, well, I honestly, now not everyone will agree with this, but when, when we joined the EU, they started to, to give money to Ireland. And suddenly Ireland were financially more better off. And people got the opportunity to be educated, young people. And to me, education is the ticket. It gives you freedom that you'd never have without it. Do you understand? Uh, so people, an awful lot of, of young people got the opportunity to go to university. Uh, and it gave them a confidence. And, uh, you know, that makes all the difference, really, when you're a young person to have confidence. Uh, so I think that had a huge impact on the local community and tourism then. Uh, started to people Doolan and the Cliffs of Moher, the Arden Islands, the Burn, like a combination of reasons people started to come here. Uh, and slowly but surely, uh, the whole village started to improve, you know, financially, anyways. Yeah, and, and, and how important was music in terms of that early tourism? Oh, sure, it was the, it was the reason people were coming here. You know, it started off with Irish people. The long weekends to be people from Cork and Kerry and Dublin and Galway to come to Doolan for the crack. Uh, and that slowly built up and then the word got out. Uh, it's the place to be for weekends, you know. Um, but yeah, music was, sure, that's what it was about. The people and the music. The people made them, all the musicians that came to visit the, the musicians from the area made them feel so welcome that a lot of them never left. They felt so much at home in Doolan that they made it their home. And then slowly, you know, the international market might go gone out to Germany and the Furies and publicising little villages like Doolan. Ackle Island was another place that was starting to become very well known. So that would encourage Germans when they were in Ireland to come and visit Doolan. Yeah, the Germans were... Very, oh, in the very early big days. At the start, yeah. Very yeah. the Bel the Germans, the Belgians, the Dutch were huge in the in the early days. I think it's where kind of the, the European folk revival kind of was strong. Oh, absolutely, and Alan Stivell, a, a Breton musician, yeah. he he came to actually there was a, um, a film made of Alan Stivell down in the pub in O'Connor's years and years ago. Uh, Pecky Russell was in it. Um, what's his name? Willie Clancy was in it. It's so funny to think now of somebody like Alan Stivell who went to be a, 
like a, a musician that does massive stadiums, a huge concert, playing with these these old lads, like you know, packy oh, and yeah. really clancy. And, and I saw a clip of it now in the last few years, uh, when Willie was being interviewed and Alan Stivell was was asking him whatever about the music, and Willie just said, "Well, you know, we're telling you nothing but lies." <laughs> it was probably true, wasn't it? Like, well, they made it up he, as they went along. That's the only time he said the truth. <laughs> yes. But, you know, no one ever interviewed anyone years ago. I mean, you just talked. Do you know, it wasn't like a... It, it didn't see... It wasn't, you know, it wasn't the done thing. Whereas nowadays everyone has been interviewed, they're being photographed. I mean, it's a whole new way of, of doing things. But they were well able for it, the, the likes of Willie Clancy and Michael Russell. Like, they had... Because there were characters and they would tell these... I always... Do you know the few videos there of Willie Clancy uh, speaking even more than playing? You can see that spark in his eye. That oh, he was like the divinity. Ah, oh, he was great. Ah, oh, he was such a character. It's so, so funny. But they enjoyed all that attention. You know, you have to realize that people live in, in isolated areas like Dublin, which it was. It was a rural, rural part of Ireland. And suddenly people had shown an interest in their music, for one thing, but in, in, the, in the people and playing the music. Like it was a real privilege to, to for people to be making the effort to come and see them and making them feel important. Sure, isn't that what we all want at the end of the day? Yeah, Someone to make us feel important. A bit of a, a bit of attention, but <laughs> yeah. In terms, yeah, of music, it's also that because I suppose when these musicians were younger, they were probably looked down on. Do you know? Playing well, music was never. Oh. In playing places like Dublin now, it's different, but in. Generally in Ireland, I believe there was not. It was not always seen very well. Not at all. Uh, I often used to hear my mother say, uh, her uncle Willie used to play the fiddle up in Roscommon now, and Mam used to say everyone would look at him when he when they'd see him in the street with the fiddle under his arm. They used to say, "There goes Willie, the local bum." Mm. So there was that kind of an attitude towards uh, musicians that you were you would nearly be considered homeless kind of stupid and it was far from the truth but nowadays they're revered so yeah. it has totally transformed you know which uh, is fantastic and I, I would argue that the reason why Doolin built this reputation is more than likely because of your parents in Gosso Connors pub who actually didn't have that attitude of looking down on musicians and on the contrary welcomed them which wasn't a common thing at the time Sure, my mother and father loved it. I mean, my mother, God rest her now, but before she died, I said, she was down in, in the Limerick Hospital, and I said to ma'am, you know, have you any regrets in the world? Uh, and she wasn't from Doolin, like I said, she was from Roscommon. And she said, Susan, the day I turned the bridge in 1957 was one of the happiest days of my life. She said the local people like the Quilches, Everyone in the village, they looked after ma'am. She looked after them, but in return, they look at, looked after her. Very kind people, really. And there was a great sense of community years ago. So for that reason, when anyone that visited, they were made feel part of the community. I mean, to me, that's what it's all about. Yes. yes. It's so important to make people feel wanted and welcome, more than ever. Yeah, That's going to be a, a great transition now because... Uh, we can talk uh, about your your business as a B&B owner and welcoming more people, continuing that tradition. But maybe before we, we go into that, will we play a bit of music again? Uh, yeah, we, maybe a, a tune or do you want to try and sing a song maybe? Uh, I might, maybe I'll uh, sing. I wouldn't have to sing all the verses, would I? 
I'll sing uh, this song and it's a lonesome song um, it's called The Return Soldier uh, a great uh, singer from this area Michael Sherlock used to sing this I am not joking every day in the pub when I was a young girl and he had the most beautiful voice Oh, and anyone that local that ever heard him I mean people used to wait for Michael to start singing uh, very lonesome but had the most beautiful tone to his voice uh, and I, from listening to Michael I, this is the song I learned the, the, the song because of that lovely uh, nice one so I hope it will come out okay Charles it'll be great thanks Susan I was sitting side by side with my fond and loving bride said a soldier who had just returned from war Oh, he'd been away for years From his native land so dear Fighting for his king and country's cause But now he has returned From his native land to mourn To find his loving wife dying in his arms Oh, he pressed her to his heart, knowing soon that they must part. And these were all the loving words he said. Darling, live till morn, let me see the day break dawn. Let me gaze upon your beauty once again. I wish that I was slain when to Ireland first I came to meet with you and part with you again. Sinead Charles. Lovely, Susan. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love that song. I mean, I didn't sing all of it. Now I don't want to bother to bore you to tears. But those two verses, of, yeah, I love them. Well, I'm not bored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll be getting messages of people asking for the full version now. <laughs> so we'll record the full version another day, maybe. All right, John. Um, so yeah, you you played a lot of music when you were um, a teenager, young adult, and what happened then? Well. Um, I did. I used to love it now, absolutely, at home. I'd be playing um, Michael, myself, Packy. Um, but um, the the pub got busier, and I was working a lot. Um, so there was no time to play, it, to be honest. It's a, it was that simple. We got very busy, and having a family business, you know, we were expected to, to be there. Um, so music took a secondary place in my life. Uh-huh. Um yeah, and that was the that was the reason to be honest with you, you know. And then I went to London, and uh, actually in London I played. I used to go to Camden Town on Sunday mornings, and I'd meet Paul Thiesby, who was a lovely, lovely man. Yes. Uh, his daughter was Katie Thiesby, the great singer and musician. Yeah, Paul played the fiddle. Didn't fiddle. He? Oh, he was just such lovely. Loved well, Paul Thiesby. He was a very, very kind man. Oh, very kind. Him. So I met up with him. He's he himself, and um, he's he's. Uh, He's the, the, the lads that used to play with him. Paul had contacted me while I was in London. And uh, so I'd go to Camden Town on on, uh, on Sunday mornings for the session. But once I came home then, I came home when I was nearly 21. 
um, I really didn't play much after that at all. Yeah, because work took over. Life took over, Charles. Yeah, work and family life. Work I and suppose. family life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you managed to. You always stayed connected to the music. It's oh. not that you you didn't play, but uh, obviously music was happening every day in the pub. Oh, a huge part of my life. Yeah. Oh, and it still is. You know, I, I mean, COVID definitely, I played more music during COVID than I think I ever did in my life. But I listen to music all the time. I, I have, oh God, it's a huge part of my life now. But I obviously, I don't play it, which is, uh, but that scene has kind of changed as well, you know. It is, but it's nice even to, uh, you know, every, every now and then to pick up the whistle at home and play a few tunes and oh, to yeah. have you here on the podcast. I know, uh, oh my God almighty. It's great, it I'm, is fantastic. I'm, I feel like a right fake now being here on this no, podcast, you've, you've, trust me. You've, you've, all, you've all the stories and the way you play the tunes, like, uh, I'll still work, We've, we'll play one more set of tunes, I'll see if I can get you to play on your own, but we'll, <laughs> we'll see, we have probably about, what, 10, 15 minutes to convince you then. Um But yeah, the, you mentioned earlier that, that welcoming tradition in Doolin, um, as much as the music scene, but just the local scene in general, you've kept that tradition going through your entire life, first in the pub and then uh, through the B&B, because you've been running a bread and breakfast for many years. Yeah, I've been running the B&B, which I can't hardly believe, for 38 years. Time has just flown past, but... Yeah, I've been very privileged. Uh, I've had people from all over the world stay. Um, and, you know, what I what I feel very um, strongly about is that the whole sense of making people feel at home in our community, you know, you welcome, into, welcome them into your home, you look after them, and people really enjoy that. Like, it's important to people to be taken care of, and I think we should all most definitely find the time make people feel special while they're in Doolin uh, and I think everyone really makes an effort to do that I mean that's what kind of sets Doolin apart from other little villages uh, and that's to do with tourism now they make the effort to make a very special effort to make people feel at home um, while they're in Doolin and that's that's a tradition like you were saying that's been going on in the village for for years for 50 yeah. probably five and it's, decades it's, more it's, it's proved that that is the recipe For, for success and I just don't mean financial success and now so you, you, you've seen people coming to Dublin for all these years um, how do you find their approach to music uh, has changed are they still mad for it or is there like a different kind of demand how have things changed in that sense oh yeah well there is definitely a change uh, obviously people don't drink Uh, you know, in one time you went to the pub and you stayed all day, the session would be gone. No one was worried about, you know, taking time out to have a wild day in the pub. Yeah, But nowadays... Time was not... Time was, was of no consequence, really. Yeah. But it is now. It's all about time now. Yeah. You know, people have deadlines to meet. The internet has probably revolutionized the whole way we do business now. The whole way we live our lives now, at the end of the day. Uh, and a lot of our lives are dictated by social media. Uh, so th from that point of view, that uh, our way of life has changed dramatically. And then we've had two years of COVID. So that's even put another iron in the fire, you know. It's like things have... But you have to... The spirit is still alive and well here. 
the spirit is still alive and well and i suppose uh music also adapted to these changes oh absolutely and adapted very well very well and you've a lot of younger people coming up now playing great music and that makes that keeps the whole thing alive you know for for generations to come with the help of god Do you feel a connection between the younger musicians now and the older musicians from back in the days? Well, well that's a hard one to answer because they live they're living in such a different Irish way of life now. Like Irish living and Irish way of life has changed so dramatically in the last 10 or 15 years. So that that impacts everything, how we play music, how we live our lives, everything. Mm-hmm. So I, I, that'd be a hard one to answer now, Charles. Yeah, and, and I don't mean it in, in either a, a good way or a bad way, but I'm just interested to see, because I've been talking with certain people on this podcast about how, you know, about the spirit of the music very often, and there's always finding this balance between what we need to preserve and then music is evolving all the time. Um, so I was just, just, yeah, your opinion on where the balance is these days maybe think about the musicians that you like listening to at the moment uh oh yeah and i mean they they have a real i mean you can see that they love they love the music that's very obvious and i mean some of them are i mean they excel beyond belief as musicians uh, it's just a different way now how they the day the session is still very much there but they're going they're traveling The whole gig scene has come into play now in a big way. So all that influences the way people play music, I think. Yeah. It's um, when, when people say years ago was their way of life, it's a whole different way of life now to be an Irish musician, traditional Irish musician. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, basically what you're saying is it's still a way of life. It's just the way of life is it's, different. It's changed. But, it, but the, yeah, the, the graphic is, is still there. Oh Honestly. yeah, they'd have to love it to to devote as much time as they are giving to it, but it's just the whole gig scene that is, you know, people make their living now mm-hmm. from playing traditional Irish music, and I think that's fantastic, and they're they're accepted and revered as as people and as musicians. Finally, they're getting the acceptance that that they deserve, mm-hmm. uh, and like you, Charles, you've just completed your masters in traditional Irish music. You can go on and do your PhD in. Tra- I mean, when I was a young girl, oh my God, they'd just laugh at you. Yeah, I mean, that wasn't that didn't even exist. Not yeah. at all. But it would never. People would never even contemplate it that there was a chance it might exist. It was not uh, academic worthy, I suppose. Can you imagine? It is now, though, and it, yeah. thank God it is, yeah. because it deserves that kind of recognition. And uh, it's actually really lovely to hear that uh, because. It does happen every now and then that you, through conversations you get that feeling from uh, people that have been playing music for 50 years and all that, that if you listen to certain people you'd swear things are really bad and tough and we're losing the music and that kind of... Uh, no, way. like you say, music evolves and it's very important. You know, it grows, it evolves... And everyone has their own interpretation of music at the end of the day. And the younger generation, because their lives around them are so different. I mean, all that influences the way they play music. Mm-hmm. So it does change the style and 
and when I say the sound, but in in some cases it changes the sound as well. But I think, you know, change is good. We can't live in the past. We have, and it's important that people, you know, for people for it to continue, traditional Irish music continue for it to continue. I think it's important that the younger gener- generation get their chance of playing it their way. You know, the dic- the past cannot dictate the present. Yeah, it's more something that you carry with you. Yeah, and you're influenced by, but at the end of the day, you 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 develop your own interpretation. Yeah, and tell me what what's the music that you really like listening to these days, or the, the settings? Any you know what's the, what's the last time you were either at a session or listening to a recording, and you were like, oh, this is great music. Oh, well, I mean, I love Noel Hill and Tony Lennon playing. I listen to them every day, every mm. single day of the that, week. That album is... It's as old as myself. 75, 76, <laughs> yeah. I'd yeah, uh, I've listened to... I just yeah. love their music. I think they're amazing musicians. But, um, oh, well, in the, in, the, in, the, in the local pubs in Doolin and O'Connor's, I was at the Doolin Inn and there were some musicians playing there and it was really lovely. That was a different setting again which is unusual to have music playing in the restaurant while we were dining. I hope But that was, was one of the night I was there. Uh, I'm trying to think, <laughs> were you there? Well, maybe you were, Charles. Uh, But um, yeah. McGann's, McDermott's, you know, Fitzpatrick's. I go to Fiddle Case on Monday nights in, in Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah. Really you, you, nice. You, you, you lo- I remember you've said it to me many times. You really love especially oh. uh, the... O'Connell Brothers Brilliant. and the, the, the songs and oh yeah and you oh I also know yeah Adam is one Adam, of your favorite oh, fiddle players. Brilliant. He's great feeling in his music. He does. Oh yeah, yeah I love him. Yeah. 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 There's there's someone I need to bring on the podcast. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Owen O'Neill of course is, is plays with them as well. No, it's great. So you have a nice variety of, of music in the Doolin area. Uh, seven nights a week which is just, I mean, there aren't many rural villages in, in Ireland, in the west of Ireland, that offer that to people. There are not many towns that offer that. <laughs> like, I mean, no, don't, even Limerick doesn't offer that. Yeah, you yeah. Know? But you think of the calibre of musicians in the area, like you've the likes of Kevin Griffin, extraordinary musician. Uh, Kev, Kevin, is, Kevin is the best band oh, player without in the country. Question. You're probably biased living here, but like... It's, He's unbelievable, yeah. Yeah, and his sister now, Pauline, Pauline Brody, and his brother, Jerry. Uh, and then his brother, John, sings every so often. Great singer, mm-hmm. John Griffin. Yeah, so there's a lot. There's a lot in the area. We're very lucky. And we've Noel O'Donoghue, Sean Vaughan. I mean, the list is endless, really. And yourself, yeah. Giles. Ah, yeah, well... Um, thrown in for good measure. <laughs> yeah, but there's a, few, there's a few more people you haven't mentioned uh, that you should mention before me, like, you know, I'm thinking... James Cullen and, and oh well now James so. Cullen is like the cream of the crop as they say and Cal and then when Angela Crotty comes up and uh, Paul her partner Paul so there's the, like the variety is endless and they all have they all contribute in a different way and then the set dancing starts James Cullen is an amazing set dancer Angela Crotty the same and then we have our own local uh, buddy Buddy Flanagan we'd love to see more often we don't see very often now in the in the in the pubs well, but talking about all these people just makes me sort of giddy thinking about the next russell weekend <laughs> well, we have a few months to wait but it's been planned at the moment from what i can gather there's great uh, great talks about what's going to happen for the micro russell now yeah. uh, next year so we're all looking forward to it. would you believe the bnb's already booked out for it? all the norwegian people come over cameron and Aver, they come over every mm. year 
their friends have booked the house out for three nights. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. 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 Something to really look forward oh, to. Oh yeah, and don't but, and we love it. I mean, there's going to be plenty of great sessions until then, but uh, this is really the highlight of the year, isn't it? And in a way to remember. Uh, and celebrate the lives of Michael, Paki, Gussie and the other old musicians that we talked about earlier. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And the huge contribution they've made to keep Doolan, you know, alive and well on the world stage, if you'd say. Yeah, yeah. I think um, to actually finish this episode, it'd be lovely if maybe we play a tune uh, in their memory, in their honour. What yeah, do you think? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, Giles, that'd be, be great. Um, well, Susan, thank you so much for... Uh, accepting to do this uh, it was a great Michael. pleasure to talk to you ah thank you charles well it was my pleasure to to do this i mean god i feel very honored to be asked at all thank you ah thanks for the stories then sure we'll we'll talk again soon then we'll have to record the full version of the song okay <laughs> no thanks bother. susan bye bye I hope you enjoyed our chat and tunes and thanks again so much to susan for coming on the show and playing a few tunes with me if you'd like to know more about Susan's B&B, Daly's House, make sure to visit her website, dailyshouse.com. The link is in the description. Thank you again so much for listening to the Tunes from Julian podcast and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss new episodes. It would be very helpful if you could tell your friends about the show too, share it on social media and feel free to visit the Patreon page if you'd like to support. If you'd like to know more about the Tunes from Julian project, you can check out the website and YouTube channel. You can also email me at tunesfromdoolin at gmail.com. I would love to hear from you. Thanks again and see you at the next episode.